This episode of Adventures in Aurelia is brought to you by Gabe and Jeff from Interparty Conflict, Chai Kai, Fred on Fire, Avoradon, Dungeons and Randomness, and Mike K on Patreon. You can join them in supporting the show at patreon.com slash adventures in Aurelia. I'm Stephen John Drew from Better Podcasting, a podcast about podcasting part of the Gunna Geek Network. Just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find fantastic geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. And welcome to Adventures in Aurelia, a podcast where five friends sit around the table and record themselves playing Dungeons and Dragons. I'm Damien. I'm the Dungeon Master. I'm Krista, and I play Ariel, an Asmar Sorceress. I'm Chris, and I play Rim, a human paladin. I'm Chantel, and I play Kanina, a tiefling sorcerer. I'm Caitlin, I play Tempest, a water genasi ranger. Previously, on Adventures in Aurelia, our group of adventurers had traveled to the region of Icilia to speak with the dwarves of Sterengeld about some items they had found within a cave system in their home region of the Chrysal Valley. While traveling to meet the dwarves, they were attacked by gnolls and later found out that these gnolls were part of a pack led by a mythical gnoll known as Grimfang. Before heading back to the Chrysal Valley, our adventurers decided to investigate this Grimfang situation further. Ultimately, they located his camp, slew him with the help of the Dwarven Blackguard, and recovered his spear, a weapon that gives off a similarly powerful evil aura to the Great Axe they had found previously. Our story continues with the group on the road, leaving the village of Starin where they had been staying previously. As we begin arc three of the Aurelian epic, you guys have had your return back to the village of Starin with a, the way the village received you at least, was a pretty warm welcome. They were very appreciative of what you had done, especially uh, Lydia, who didn't have the means to take care of the problem with Grimfang, but recognized that it was something that she needed to have some responsibility over, just didn't have any way to force that to happen, and you guys did her and the village a great service in doing so. Many of the villagers, whether that played out in the episode or not, came by and thanked you for your work, and it seemed like the next day you guys were ready to start your way back towards Riven, so heading along the Norgeld Road back to Port Norsal. You guys know by now, especially the number of journeys that you've had back and forth along this road over the last few weeks, that this is roughly a three-day journey. And you guys headed back. We're kind of speeding things along. But on your guys' journey back to the city of Port Norsal, I need someone to go ahead and roll me a flat D20. I'll do it. 16. So it is about midday on the 3rd of Mononon. You guys are roughly at about the halfway point. You're nearing the eastern edge of Lake Icelia, which is the major lake that is just north of the Norgeld Road 
you guys had actually camped there a couple times previously. There was actually a section of fishing that happened within the lake at one point in time that was not very fruitful, but was very entertaining for <laughs> those that partook. <laughs> trying to use rocks? Is that that one? Yep. <laughs> As you guys are traveling, who would be driving the cart right now? Not me! Yeah, Kanina and Rem, I believe, were the two who could drive. So, I'm not against switching spots with someone else if they wanted to ride in the front. If we say that Rem's driving, who would want to be up front with Rem? Uh, Ariel would be up front with... I mean, she'd be willing, because she'd probably be very happy to be talking to Princess the whole time as well. (laughs) Okay. How about Ariel and Rem? Go ahead and roll me a perception check. Ariel, what did you get? 11. And Rem? 15. Makes sense. Ariel is, uh, is conversing with Princess along the journey. And, uh, Rem, who is actually driving the cart, is being a little bit more, uh, in tune with what's on the road. Um, probably in the next half hour, like distance wise, uh, somewhere that you would reach in about the next half hour or so, uh, something catches your eye over on the, the tree line to the south, which is, um, the same forest that Grimfang had been in and that you guys have spent quite a bit of time in over the last few weeks. You see what looks to be a large draft horse with seemingly someone sitting on its back, but it doesn't look quite right to you from a distance. Maybe it's a distortion with them being up near the tree line. Maybe it's something to do with how far away that you guys are at this point. They're like wavy or something? Like, Can you explain what looks wrong? If there were a person sitting on it, it almost looks like they're hunched forward over the horse's head. <clears throat> Tempest. Huh? Can, can you bring your spyglass up here? So is this a thing where Rem is going to stop the cart, bring it to a, to a slowdown, might. or are you just asking Tempest through the window? Right now, I'm just asking Tempest through the window, because like, I don't want to look like I'm changing any kind of actions, just keeping things slow. You said they were pretty far away. Okay. Tempest will reach into her bag. Is the window large enough to reach through? Or are we talking like... No, I'm thinking like six inches tall, 12 inches across, give or take. Okay, so she'll... She's not even really going to get up. Just reach into her bag. Arm out the window. Here, don't break it. He's going to hand the reins to... To Ariel? To Ariel. <laughs> as long as all she fun. does is hold them, it's kind of like, you know, it'll drive itself. Do you say itself. that? Just yeah, hold just these? Hold this. And he'll okay. reach back and take the spyglass, and he's going to attempt to get a closer look at this thing. I don't feel that Rem would have much experience with a spyglass, so I'm going to go ahead and have you roll perception again. Uh, go ahead and take advantage, though, because you are zoomed in, even if the, the aiming might be a little iffy for you. 22. As you you pan around, it takes you a, a moment to to really get the spyglass dialed in. This is a, a large distance, so you know moving moving a fraction of a degree is is a quite a large movement. But you manage to find this draft horse up against the the edge of the forest, and what you thought was a man slumped over the front of the horse, kind of covering its head. You actually see that in place of a horse's head is the torso of a man jutting out from this draft horse's body. And you can see they're bare-chested, very muscular. They have a uh, quiver slung over their back, 
and you can see what looks like an almost inhumanly designed bow across their back as well. Something that, like, the strength that it would take to pull this back is... This isn't a typical archer's bow. Would Rim know what this is? Would Rim have any reason to to know what a centaur is? Like, to actually know what a centaur is? I guess it would depend on how common they are, if they're written in stories... I think that this is one of those things that would come to Rem as fabled. There, There's definitely accounts that would suggest that they exist, but they're known to be very reclusive. You have met a pixie fairly recently, so you're starting to realize that some of these things that have been talked about through books and through stories that people are like, oh, well, I've I've never seen one of those. Those don't exist. Those are just story, story tales. You're seeing that those, that might actually exist. They're just creatures that don't make themselves known to the human world very much. And and with this, you know, bare knowledge, would it would it be the same kind of knowledge we have of centaurs, or are they known to be amiable, or are they more like reclusive? Um, I think you would know them to be more not necessarily reclusive, but defensive. They're they're very protective of their lands, but it's also one of those things that. If you were to say that you ran into a centaur on the road, people in Port Norsal would be like, you what now? That like you'd find people that would believe you. There's probably even people that would corroborate that, oh yeah, they live in the forest down there. But it's definitely something that people would do a double take for. It's like, oh, that's an incredibly rare thing. Okay, so he's gonna as he takes a focus, he's gonna be like, Can't believe it. Can't believe what? There's a centaur on the side of the road up there. Would Ariel know what a centaur? Has she read enough books in her life at the monastery to have read about a centaur among all the other animals that she read about? Even beyond what you've read at the monastery, you specifically chose to look through the books in Lyrian's hut. So it's very possible that you found some sketches of a centaur within the books that you found that, that you were flipping through there as well. So while it's not something that you have any firsthand knowledge of, you don't know anyone that has had an encounter with a centaur, I feel like you would have a much stronger, like, especially if Rem were to show you, like, oh, I saw this in Lyrian's books, or if he described it to you. It's about how far away is the centaur? About 25 minutes. So Rem will you know, recollapse the the spyglass and then kind of knock on the window and hand it back through to Tempest to take the reins back. Going to keep going slowly. Act casual. He stops us or hails us. We'll we'll hail him back and then go from there. If not, I don't see any reason to uh, come too alarmed. As the next twenty minutes or so passes, you are starting to come to a more parallel line to this centaur creature. And they start walking towards the road. At, at this point, you all of you can just see. It. You're close enough that you can see. And as they leave the tree line, anyone that is looking sees a centaur uh, approaching the road near you guys. But they're not approaching in any sort of threatening manner. Ariel's going to smile and wave, hi! As we pull even, you know, Rim will slow the horse down and then come to a stop. Kenny will probably be like, peering out one of our windows or curtains or whatever they we have and be just like, wow, just like what my grandpa used to tell me about. <laughs> Does Rem begin to bring the cart to any sort of halt? Yeah, he'll he'll slow the cart as the, you know, obviously as the centaur approaches, he'll kind of pull up to where they looks like they're going to meet and come to a stop as he would for, you know, somebody that hailed them on the road. 
Uh, the centaur essentially approaches you guys directly and then kind of makes pace with you. As the cart slows down, they look over at you. Oh, no need to slow your pace on my account. I can pace with you. Well, all right, if that's what you want, and he'll give a little, little snap to the reins to get the horse moving again. How are you, Mr. Centaur? You're amazing. I find it interesting that you would have such a strong opinion of me without knowing who I am. She really, really likes horses. No offense. (laughs) Understandable. (laughs) Not a horse, though. It appears that your cart has uh, befallen some damage. It looks somewhat recent. Uh, We did have a run-in a few days back uh, with some gnolls, but uh, we took care of that. You took care of that? Yes, I believe so. We killed Grimfang. Yes. Go ahead and uh, roll insight, both of you. And while this is happening, um, what are Kanina and Tempest doing in the cart? Uh, Tempest is just sort of leaning out the window, you know, checking out what's going on. As, as Nina said earlier, like, oh my god, it's a centaur. <laughs> I've heard of these. He's talking to us. <laughs> <laughs> He's running as fast as us. I mean, you're not running. You're, you're at I a know. slow pace, but he's But just... he did say, don't bother slowing down. I'm fine. So it's just like, what? <laughs> Kenny would probably be, uh, you know, uh, looking out the window at the same, you know, and kind of just very curious at this, you know, instance, because it's very unexpected. And, you know, she'll greet him as he walks up, you know, do her cheerful cheerful wave kind of thing but yeah for now she'll just kind of listen to see what he has to say and let rem talk as the other part of the conversation is started up just a momentary glance behind it's like oh there's more of you <laughs> yeah hello there and he he steps away from the card a little bit to make it easier for all of you to be able to see and actually have a conversation with him as you guys are walking era what'd you get on your insight uh natural 20 plus 5 so 25 and rem 15 Ariel notices almost immediately that as she said that you guys had killed Grimfang, a, like, shock across the centaur's face. And Rem notices it as well, but I think especially as Ariel was the one that said it, got that instant look in his eyes of, like, what? You guys, you guys killed him. Well, we had help from the Blackguard. I, uh, I noticed that the trouble along these roads with the gnolls had stopped a few days ago. I had not heard yet that Grimfang had been taken care of. Oh, were the uh, gnolls troubling your people as well? They weren't troubling my people. I don't have a people here per se, but I used to defend this road as travelers would come through. I would keep watch over them as they slept, but... Over the last few months, the gnolls in the forest had begun to be too much for me to handle. Times that I would be out overlooking travelers and trying to fend people off on the road, they could overwhelm me. They could almost meet me pace for pace as far as me having to escape from them. They were very quick. They did run us down. That's the damage. They were chasing us as we attempted to flee. Yeah, we didn't expect them to be quite so fast. It's very uh, noble and quite brave of you to fend them off as much as you could, especially alone as you are. 
Yes, I have helped try to keep peace with the creatures in the forest. I help keep people from venturing in, and I try to keep things from venturing out. Have you ever spoken with the Blackguard at Starin? I have not. I don't venture to either of your settlements on either end of this road. Well, I don't want to put you out, but I would say if something like this were to happen again, if you found anything beyond your own strength, speaking with the Blackguard there, they may find ways to help you if you were to maybe help them locate, you know, nests of bandits or dens of kobolds or gnolls that have been bothering you. I could see doing that, however, the issues with the gnolls had gone on plenty long, and many people met their end when their knoll presence grew here, and neither settlement did much to help. But if Grimfang is dead, as you say, and from what I've seen around the area, that does make sense to me. I, I noticed that the Many days ago, the gnolls had stopped venturing out into the wood and had stopped making their way to the road. And as I noticed that they had less of a presence, I've started to bring myself closer to the road again, keeping an eye on things. Did you approach us because of the damage on our cart then? I mostly approached you as a way to introduce myself as your protector along the roads here. I actually didn't expect you to be as formidable as you seem to be. Many of the people that, that journey along this road as a, a single cart hold by, pulled by two horses aren't able to defend themselves against some of the larger creatures around these parts. When he says introduce himself, that triggers Ariel. I'm Ariel, what's your name? Greetings, Ariel. I am known as Derodim. So Rim will be like, it's very nice to make your acquaintance. We are a uh, small group, a representative from the town of Riven from their Adventurers Guild. Ah, the town of Riven. That's not something I am familiar with. It is a, a larger settlement, a few days travel by boat from here. Ah, uh, across the... Across the sea is not a journey that I am one to make. I prefer to live within my forest and try to keep things peaceful here. My name is Rim. These are my companions, as you've met Ariel. And behind, I'm Kanina. Behind is Kanina and Tempest. Hey. It's uh, quite the interesting group of companions that you surround yourself with, Rim. They are at that. He, he chuckles a little bit at that. Well, I mostly just wanted to introduce myself as a way to allay any concern that you might have, having potentially seen me along the, the edge of the road, but also to let you know that you will have someone watching over you. I appreciate I've, that. believe I have actually... Watched over you guys a few times in the past. At this point, it's good to know. Ah, uh, we yeah, I've definitely had some times where I've been on watch and heard a uh, larger creature roaming the woods. I suppose that could have been you then. It's definitely possible. 
since noticing the reduced presence of the gnolls in this area, I have begun to take up some of my previous duties of keeping track of what's going on on the roads. And when I notice that foolish travelers have set themselves up near where the gnolls live, I've tried to do what I can to keep watch over them, potentially drive away any gnolls if they decided to suddenly become bold and make their way out to the road again. But you now know me, and I now know you guys. I just want you to know that as you guys rest for the night again, you shouldn't have anything to fear. We appreciate that. Yes, it's certainly very helpful to our situation. (laughs) And with that, Garodim starts to make their way off the side of the road, heading back towards the forest. Did he seem pretty earnest in his uh, sayings and whatnot, wanting to protect us? Would you like to roll an insight check? Yes. 13. As far as Kanina feels, she feels that what he said, he, he meant truthfully. Yeah. Kanina's not the really the type to really be super suspect, but, you know, she understands that desire to want to help people and help protect people. So I think she's probably just looking to see if he had uh, similar inclinations. It's essentially with that, you're not getting a reading off of them that they're like happy to do this, that, that this is, it doesn't seem like something that is a calling to them, more so as it is something that they feel they need to do they they feel yeah they feel a responsibility more than they feel a calling to it but you are getting the sense that they mean what they say when they say that they're out there to protect you and that they are out there to protect the people on the road and you didn't get any sense that they were being dishonest when they said that the increased presence of the gnolls drove them away from that duty Kanina appreciates it, and she is kind of like, uh, just kind of like curious about the situation that brought him to this kind of role, but she's happy to have met someone who's willing to help us out. And at this, go ahead, have time advance towards night on the 3rd of Mananan. Does, does anyone in the party feel the need to actually set up a watch, given what Daredem had told you? I think Rim, even though that Daredem said that, would still feel more comfortable setting up his own watch. Maybe being a little bit more lax about it. Yeah, I feel like Kanina would, would be willing to like maybe do like a two-person watch or something like that. Like just have a couple of us, you know, make sure things are going fine throughout the night. Especially in the night when some of our party can't see. You know, she'd feel better if uh, she could keep watch over some people. So if there's going to be a sort of watch, what does the party do? As Rem flicks the reins, stops the cart. Unhitch the horse and take care of it. So we'll definitely set up camp for the night, and I feel a lot safer with uh, Darrow Dem here protecting us, but I certainly think uh, it might be wise for us to still kind of keep an eye out, just because I don't think he can be in all places at all times. Four eyes is better than two. I'll stay up for a while, keep an eye on things. I'm not quite tired yet being stuck in the cart all day. And I don't see as well in the dark, so I'll take it while the sun's still up a bit. I can take just before sunrise. Yeah, that works out, and I'd be fine with staying up in the darker part of the night. I can see fairly well. Uh, do you think Daredim's going to be around? Because he said he would watch, then we could get more sleep. 
yeah, he's definitely going to be around, but I don't know. We are still in in, in a big open exposed area, and he, I I do trust him to keep uh, part of a part of our area safe. But it'd be nice to have a little extra set of eyes open just in case anything manages to get past him. Okay, well, but if you, it's like I I, f I do feel a lot safer, and we do have him basically working as an extra watch. So if you want to get some rest, Harold, I have no problem uh, staying up through the night. I have energy to spare. Okay, well, if you, if anything, um, if you start getting tired, then wake me up. Or if you hear something or something, because I'll be obviously be getting like the most sleep. That sounds like a plan. If I hear anything or see any disturbances, I'll let you know. As the party starts farming up for their watches. Are we going to be able to say what we want to do before we go to sleep? Sure. Ariel wants to look and see why that this staff is different and stronger than the current staff she has since Rem said it's stronger but didn't tell her why. <laughs> so what you're saying is that Ariel would like to spend an extra hour before her long rest to yeah. uh, to study and potentially attune to the staff that she has? Yeah. All right. Kanina and Rem get their bedrolls out. They eat whatever they're going to eat for the night and begin to retire for the night. Tempest starts setting up her stuff for a watch. And instead of getting ready for bed, what does Ariel do? Ariel knows that she's going to be getting a lot of sleep. So she wants to figure out why Rem said this other staff that he brought to her room is stronger and basically better than the current staff she has because he didn't really tell her anything so she kind of wants to study this and see what it's all about okay so before going to sleep for the night ariel is going to essentially spend the, the time of a short rest to study the staff and you are going to find out that this is a staff of power and it has all of the stats and all of the abilities that I went over in the last episode because I'm not going to spend 10 minutes going through that again. But Ariel now knows what it is, what it does, and the significance of being given a staff like this. She's probably like, oh, wow, he was right. <laughs> <laughs> and I imagine that as you've been doing this too, you've, you've had this staff laid across your lap in your hands studying it, kind of getting a feel for its magic. You're, you're almost feeling a warmth from behind you and almost like someone has their hand on your shoulder and is guiding you along the traces of magic as you start to piece together and pull out what this sword is, what it does, and how to use it. Does Ariel wish to attune to the Staff of Power? Yes, she wishes to attune. <laughs> And suddenly, after what feels like an hour of study along this, it, it's like all of the dots have finally been connected, and Ariel almost feels a pulse of energy surge through her body as your bond with this weapon has been made. The sun sets over the party. You guys have about one more day after you wake up. To get to Port Norsal. So Tempest is taking the first watch. I am. Go ahead and uh, roll for roll perception. 24. I see everything. Especially given that Tempest is taking watch earlier in the night. Um, there's still a little bit of sunlight. 
and as Tempest is making her rounds and taking a look around the camp, you see a large horse-like figure off in the distance, nearer to the forest side of things. They seem to be keeping somewhat of an eye over you guys. You've noticed over the, the time of your watch that they have paced back and forth a few times. They're, they're walking a good 10 minutes in one direction, then they come back and occasionally you see them cross over the road, head over to where the lake is. And it seems like they're just keeping a wide perimeter around you, keeping an eye on what's going on. Based on what you had been told earlier, you believe this to be Daredem. It is reassuring to see that he is actually out there. They are actually out there. And um, she'll just settle in to uh, probably sitting up on the cart. Like on top of the cart or like in the driver's seat of the cart. The seat's probably a little more comfortable. Okay. (laughs) You know, so have a little bit of a higher vantage point but especially with Daredim around, not expecting anything exciting to happen. And you said that you got 24 on perception, right? Correct. Uh, the, the one thing that you do notice on one of their journeys towards you, that they have since drawn their bow. They don't seem to have it drawn and ready, but they are holding it in their hand as they pace around. I will do the same. No, I'd like... From the start, you notice that. Oh, they, so they they didn't just yeah, as as nights fall in, you've noticed that they are just walking around with their bow at the ready. Well, in that case, I mean, I've got mine with me as well, just sitting up there. And a couple hours passes, and what do you do? Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of how she would occupy herself. Probably like whittling away at a stick but not doing anything in particular is this a thing where like by the end of your watch the stick that started out as two feet long is, is now just six yeah, is now just <laughs> you know three inches long and you've just kept sharpening a point further and further down or are you trying to carve no it's probably just mindlessly doing something with my hands so a couple hours pass with tempest fairly mindlessly whittling away. What do you do? This is the end of your watch. She'll hop down off the cart, stretch out, because back's all cricked up from being hunched over, whittling, and sitting in the same spot for two hours. Go nudge Nina awake. Like, all right, I'm ready to turn in. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have a good sleep. Thanks. Oh, uh... I have seen the centaur, you know, wandering around, making his rounds, so... Ah, well, that put my, puts my mind at ease. Mm-hmm. Don't be worried if you hear anything. Can, you know, get up, rub sleep out of her eyes, stretch a bit, a couple upper torso twists, and <laughs> go ahead and start her watch. Would you like to roll perception for your watch? Yes. <laughs> Thirteen. With a Thirteen. Tempest had already clued you into Herodim's presence, and you are able to notice them kind of as they, they make their, their end of the round closer to where you guys have set up to make a camp. But unlike Tempest, you had the, the aid of it being lighter out, much nicer perception check. You There's times that you lose them off in the distance. And uh, we end up to about a couple hours into your watch. 
Heenan has probably brushed off all the wood shavings on the seat of the <laughs> <laughs> the car and uh, she's trying to keep perceptive you know she's kind of a fidgety individual I'd imagine as well so <laughs> but she tries to keep a mental note of where she's seeing Darrow Dim and whatnot and uh, since nothing has happened so far and she knows Darrow Dim is out there patrolling she'll go ahead and continue with the second part of her watch okay Ariel you find yourself coming awake in the middle of a forest. Do I see my friends around? No, you do not. Go ahead and roll perception. Twelve. You feel that something is wrong. Like something that should be close to you is missing. I immediately look for the spear. You reach up to your back where you've been carrying it around and it's not there. I'm gonna scramble looking around for it as you look around you're in essentially a clearing in the forest the the trees all look very similar and much the same to one another approaching from one side of this clearing is a large black figure they almost seem covered in shadow even though what you're seeing is in the light of about a midday I'm I'm gonna be like who who are you? From seemingly out of nowhere, you see the spear appear in this figure's hands. I think you know who I am. I'm gonna grab my necklace and just be like, leave me alone. Coming about forty-five degrees off to the side of the figure in front of you. You see a very similarly, like, cast and swirling shadows, canine-esque creature also approach out with a low growl. Did you think it would be so easy to take this from me? Does Roll the- for initiative. What? <laughs> Just her. Guys. <laughs> Just her. Uh-oh. That sucks because she doesn't have me drum run right now. I'm shaking right now. <laughs> Ariel, what did you get for initiative? Ten. Ariel, suddenly as you are clinging to your amulet, thinking to go saying, trying to figure out what to do, this figure in front of you in the blink of an eye has closed half the distance and starts charging in your direction. Suddenly, with you having no idea where they came from, there is a winged human standing in front of you with a long sword in one hand and a shield in another that has directly put themselves in between you and Grimfang. So as, it, as he comes closer, he does look like Grimfang now, not just a shadowed creature. Mm-hmm. Grimfang thrusts out with the spear at the creature that put themselves between you two. With one thrust of the spear, you see the winged creature in front of you bash the tip of the spear away with the front of their shield. And Grimfang takes that momentum, swings it around, and slashes across them on the other arm. You hear just a 
as the creature has blood drawn from the tip of the spear and they retaliate. Ooh, almost a crit on the second one. There you go. Currently, they are at 36 hit points. But as they have a second where they gasp and you hear them sucking in air and with a grunt, they swing out twice, almost in a X-like pattern across the front of the shadowed Grimfang in front of you. Dealing, for meta purposes, a total of 32 damage. And it is your turn. Ariel is... I don't think she's even thinking to mage armor at this point. She's very flustered. So she's gonna shoot a guiding bolt at Grimfang. 23. That will hit. Oh, I'm actually using my big one. Because I imagine she would be like going for it at that point because this is beyond freaky 22 so as all this is happening with Kosein attacking and stuff as soon as Ariel sees like a clear moment she snaps her fingers and in Celestial says light upon you and radiant lightning shoots towards uh, Grimfang and then as it hits Grimfang, like a celestial prayer, starts glowing around him. And then it binds to his fur and lights up and singes, and the light gives advantage to the next attack. And the the shadow canine comes bounding out of the side of the clearing. Um, Since the angelic creature in front of you had kind of put themselves in the path, the Shadow War charges straight over to it and is going to lead with a bite. Does a 12 hit? No. Okay, so it's going to kind of give a running bite at Kosein and skid across the dirt as Kosein moves to the side. Kanina. Hello. You find yourself jolting awake in the clearing on the side of a mountain to the sounds of birds and a moderate amount of rain falling. Do I know how I got here? You don't. You were laying on the ground and you woke up to this feeling of rain on you. Uh, I didn't go to sleep, though. You don't remember falling asleep? No. Huh. Okay. Kanina's very confused. Like, it was just like, Wait, I, w- I was on watch. What happened? I was My watch isn't over yet, did it? Did I, did I go to sleep? Don't remember. I guess she'll look around, see where she's at, I guess. If it's familiar to her or anything. Or if it's new territory. Ah. You're awake. Sitting. Curled up behind you. Pushing some trees back. Is a large red dragon. Yeah, she'll probably jump a bit at the voice, you know, because I imagine, you know, dragon voice, <laughs> deep and booming somewhat. <laughs> and uh, kind of turn around and be just like, what? <laughs> you! It's been some time, fire child. Indeed it has. And what are you doing back here? I was resting. 
Why am I here? Did you bring me here? Where are my friends? Believe it or not, you've brought yourself here. <laughs> well, I don't remember getting here, and I had no desire to leave my friends and my party. Well, since you're here, it feels like a good opportunity for some more conversation. You never struck me as the conversational sort. Especially when you're burning my village. That was merely a... Potential. Potential. <laughs> I needed to see... How strong of a bond there is between us. Well, speaking of potential, I've had a friend inform me of another possible vision that she had of us burning her monastery. And I don't really like this potential of having any kind of relationship with you. I'm a good person, and I don't need someone of a dubious nature like yourself around me. The dragon in front of you stands up and uh, begins walking towards you, stepping essentially to what would be behind you as you stood up to start talking to this creature. Would the monastery happen to look anything like this? As he's peering off a cliff down the side of the mountain. Uh, she'll look. There is a large stone building built up into the side of a mountain, overlooking a valley. Yeah, she didn't see it herself because this was not her vision, but from the descriptions that Ariel had given her, she'll assume that this is said monastery. I suppose that could be a monastery. I've never seen it myself, but I would assume... Since this is a strange place, you could show me anything you wish to. And do you wish to burn it down? No. This is people's home, so why would I do such a thing? Well, you said your friend's vision showed you doing it. Yes, but it was, like you said, a possibility, and it doesn't have to happen. I'll make sure it never happens. And she'll kind of tense up a bit, step stepping away. And the dragon sits down lowers its its four legs so that its head is a little closer to being eye level with you I never decided to burn this down your friend is the one that said it's going to happen it seems as though neither of us have any intent to do so can she get a reading behind his words see if he's actually telling the truth go ahead and roll insight 17 um, as you try and get a sense of how truthful the dragon in front of you is being, you aren't getting a sense that he wishes to burn down this building in front of you. Essentially, I guess the way that Kanina might get a read off of things is that you feel he is leaving the decision up to you. Let me see. Oh, there are his eyes. Yellow. Uh, kind of a golden yellow, not like a cat's eye yellow. Yeah, I guess peering into his uh, draconic face, trying to get a read off of him, she'll she'll kind of believe what he says, so she's still kind of on edge because the things she's heard from Ariel and the things that he's shown her in the past have not been exactly soothing to the soul, so she's, she's a bit on edge, and she wants to make sure she makes the right decisions and doesn't want to be led astray. And as, as he gazes into your eyes, he continues to speak. I don't understand why. 
But for some reason, the two of us have formed a bond. Hmm. A bond, you say? I suppose we have seen each other on more than one occasion. You always seem to enjoy striking up these conversations and showing me odd things. So what is to become of this relationship of ours? What do you want? Fire child. I am broken. Broken? Yes. She will look at his physical body from what she can tell. Does he look broken? He, he I imagine, especially given the size of this dragon, Kenina would have to, like, physically look to see. She'll do so. She's looking for, you know, like, damaged scales, broken wings. He lifts a wing on your side, and you don't see anything out of the ordinary for what you would expect a dragon to look like. And he just continues. It's nothing physical. Mm. You see, myself and the rest of the mothers and fathers, my brothers and sisters, have been banished from your world for some time now. I suppose that would make sense with the legends we've heard and the vanishing of your kind. Nobody's seen a dragon, you know, for ages now, and what little we know of dragons is in passed into myth, essentially. Those that remain have had to go into hiding. Those that can birth the rest of our race have been removed from your realm. I see. Are you in our realm? I am not. Huh. That is how I know that you and I have a bond. So what do you know of an axe? <laughs> Got her inquisitive face on, kind of peering at him suspiciously. The look that you get from him, like, very large dragon, <laughs> but you get that kind of, he, he pulls his head back and tilts it to the side. <laughs> that explains a lot. Hmm. I see I've uh, struck some sort of <laughs> recollection there. The axe is the axe of my champion. Your champion? There was a time, probably before any of your races will remember. Back when the dragons were able to roam free on Aurelia. That me my brothers and my sisters shared a connection with some of the more mortal races of your world. The axe signified my bond. The mortal races? So is your kind of mortal? We might as well be in comparison to you. I see. Me and the rest of the mothers and fathers, as far as we are concerned, are immortal. Though, we do believe that we could still be struck down. However, those that you guys consider gods put us away 
a very long time ago and broke our bonds. That, fire child, is how I am broken. I see. My axe needs to be reunited with its other side. Its other side? It is broken. I guess thinking back to her memories of the axe, did it seem like broken in any obvious way? I know there was runes on it. I'm going to give it to you because it coming up was so long ago that I don't expect you to remember it, but Kanina might. At the base of the axe, there was a dragon's claw that was in a somewhat opened cupped hand position. Mm, It's not obviously broken, Yeah, but it's something that you could see something being in. I remember there was a dragon part on the end of it, but yeah, I didn't notice it being obviously missing anything, I suppose, at the time. Huh. So, you need this other part of the axe, but what happens when the two halves join? It is only when our bonds are put together that our individual seals can be broken. So you mean to come back to this realm? We would like to. And why is that? Is the realm you're in not good any- anymore? Or is it a bad place? The realm we are in is devoid of all significance. We miss our kind. I guess that kind of uh, strikes a chord with Nina in a way, because she's always been, uh, when she was younger, she was alone quite a bit. So having found a group of her own that she's grown close to, you know, she kind of understands that whole wanting to reconnect with basically his family (laughs) or his kind again. You know why you don't see dragons anymore? Well... If they're on the realm that you're in, that would be my main guess why, but... Oh no. It is only my brothers and sisters that are locked away. Many of our kind still exist in your realm, but they've been driven into hiding because they cannot bear children for themselves. But there were a number of eggs have not yet hatched. Oh. And they have all taken it to be their life's duty to ensure that their kind's children can remain safe. I see. So you're ensuring the future of your kind, and you wish to come back to keep them safe then? It is only my brothers and sisters and I that can create new life for the dragons. I see. I understand that, and it is a noble cause, but at the same time, what kind of coexistence can you want to have with the rest of the people who are here? I imagine if you were banished before from the realm, then perhaps there was a reason. I I can't help you in your kind knowing that I might be letting in people who wish to harm the rest of us here banishment of my kind was led by the pettiness of those that you call gods. But that doesn't quite answer what I was asking. 
Basically, I'll let me be blunt with you. Do you mean the people of this realm harm? I don't have to. We were able to live a somewhat peaceful existence next to your kind's once. We don't see why that couldn't happen again. But there's a level of acceptance that would have to come between both sides for there to be any chance of that. That is why my brothers and sisters and I bonded with our champions. They were able to serve as a mediator between our kind and yours. I see. And Kanina will think back to the illustrated scroll that we found, you know, in the dwarven city and, you know, about the champions, especially the one riding on the white dragon and the whole formation of the valley there and whatnot. She'll kind of draw the connections because we did kind of think of in the past that perhaps there are weapons that hold special significance to dragons and, you know, the dragon riders at the time. So she's not entirely opposed to the idea of helping this dragon. And thinking of that, she'll be like, well, I'm not entirely opposed to the idea of helping you here. But before we do that kind of thing, uh, perhaps we should introduce ourselves formally. I'm Kanina Kojin. What is your name? I am known as Doitan. There is little more that I can do with this bond than to occasionally meet with you. That is, until you have found a piece of the bond that will help make our connection stronger. I see. Well, I'm not unsympathetic to your cause, and I'll see what I can do to help. But I'm not entirely trusting of you yet, so to speak. I'm not happy with the idea that things could go so wrong in the visions that have been presented to me so far. I don't wish harm upon anyone, and I don't want to be a villain in this situation. I want to do good things. If helping you will ensure that I can help others, I'll do so. But know this, if you mean any harm to our realm, I will stop at nothing to stop you. Your trust is not a thing that I can demand. If I wished to be truly and unabashedly evil, you wouldn't have a choice in what were to happen to this building. And Doiton perches up, kicks off with his back legs, and flies off into the sky. Kenina will watch him go, and she has a bit of a resolve set in her eyes, and she's decided to help out Doiton while she can, and hopefully keep a watchful eye, because if she can ensure this connection with him, then she can hopefully maintain some uh, <laughs> security on what he's doing. <laughs> Ariel. Yeah, the battle's over. We win. <laughs> Grimfang moves to shove Kosain aside and pushes past him 
closing the rest of the distance between. So as Grimfang tries to shove, Kosain's gonna swing her longsword for the attack of opportunity. All right. Uh, 21. 21 will hit. So Kosain swings and slashes Grimfang's side with uh, 11 points of damage. So Grimfang will take 11 points of damage. Close the distance to you. He reaches out with his hand and grabs you by the throat. Does a 20 hit? Yep. (laughs) It hits even with my stuff if I had it on. Ariel takes 25 points of necrotic damage. Uh, she's resistant to necrotic, so does that mean anything? It means you take half damage. Oh, thank God. It is Kosain's turn. Uh, Grimfang is now behind Kosain by about 20 feet, and there is a shadow warg standing directly next to Kosain. Okay. I don't like making choices for my god, <laughs> or my angel. <laughs> okay, so Kosain is going to swing at the shadow warg, so hopefully there won't be two things charging at Ariel. 17 to hit. For the shadow warg, that will hit. Would be 23, and uh, 15 of that 23 is radiant damage. Oh, and then I do I roll to hit again for the second attack? So 18. 18 will hit. 17 as she swings again. As Kosain takes two rapid slashes across this shadow ward in front of her, she nearly cleaves it in two. Like it is brought down to its knees, struggles, and pushes itself back up. And you can just hear the, the huffing coming from this warg standing in front of her. Ariel, it is your turn. Is there any sort of disadvantage for how close he is if I cast a spell? I don't believe so. Okay, well, Ariel is going to shoot another guiding bolt, but this time at second level. Uh, 18 to hit. Um, this is against Grimfang, and that will hit. 20. He lights up again with uh, advantage on the next attack with her prayer scripts going around him. And Ariel's going to stay standing face to face with him. Uh, she's tried getting away from him before and he's knocked her on her ass. <laughs> and I don't know that she can take another hit of opportunity at this moment. So yeah, she's just going to stand there holding her necklace tightly and just constant praying. (laughs) He is staring you down even as you are burning him with this radiant energy and he just says to you, you've seen what the corruption has done to me. Do you think that you are so different? It is now the shadow warg's turn and the shadow warg is going to take essentially the last bit of its energy to run around Kosain, run over to the back side of you opposite of Grimfang, and lash out basically raking you with both sets of its claws. Well, um, does the 11 hit? No. 
does a 22 hit. Oh, yeah. Ariel takes uh, seven points of slashing damage. And 23 is going to hit. Yeah. And a 11 points of slashing damage. As this warg has basically taken the last breath that it it can, charges over, and just one paw and then the other come down across Ariel's back. Oh. Rem. Yes? You come to on a road out in the middle of an open plains. You feel like you've been walking for a while, but you don't remember any of it. In front of you, off in the distance, a couple miles or so, is a fort garrison. And it looks like you were walking in the direction of it. And I'm alone? Yes. Is it a familiar fort garrison? Uh, As you scan the area around, it, it does look quite familiar to you. Interestingly enough, as you're kind of panning the area, go ahead and uh, roll perception. 22. As Rem does a, a wide sweep with his eyes, looking like 220 degrees all around him, it's almost like the areas to your, your left and right are in sort of a haze to where you can't make out anything. However, straight in front of you, you, you do make out that the fort garrison does look very familiar. The trees around it, the mountain up behind it, all give it a very familiar feel to you. He's going to start walking towards it, but how does the, the garrison look? Um, the garrison looks like it had recently come under some sort of attack. Like it's still smoking recently or like? No. In fact, as you are making your way closer to it, you can actually see people milling about the area. It looks like trees from the surrounding forest are being chopped down and are being brought in to help create lumber to make repairs on anything that had been damaged in the attack. So it looks like they've gone through the worst of it and are in a sort of rebuilding phase. We keep walking towards it. As you make your way, do you enter the the central kind of courtyard of the fort? If I'm not challenged and stopped yet. No, it seems like everyone around almost acts as if you aren't there. They they make their way around you, but they don't draw attention to the fact that they were going on a path and then swerved to avoid you. It seems like everyone is, is fairly busy just doing the work that they're doing. So do you enter the fort? Yeah, I'll walk in. As you are inside the walls of the fort, you know where the barracks was. And it seems that over by the barracks, there is a man. uh, Looks to be about his early to mid-twenties. He has slightly long but well-groomed blonde hair. He's kind of tall, uh, a little lanky, but you can get a feel for some lithe muscle build behind him. And it seems that he is the one in charge of giving people orders. I'll walk towards him. As you approach, he is very familiar to you. Belted at his hip is a rapier that is of remarkable make. In fact, it is something that you are very familiar with yourself. 
He sees you approaching, and a look of recognition comes over his eyes. Does he have any ranking insignia? No, none whatsoever. He abruptly, and what would be seen as rude to any person, walks away from the person that had been speaking to him, walking down the steps, approaching you. Stop at the bottom of the steps. Didn't I kill you? Do I recognize him as... You do. And he's not military? No. Is this a visage that would immediately anger me? I don't think that the first sense that Rem has would be anger. The first thing that Rem feels as those words come out and he realizes why he recognizes this man is a pain in your chest. A slight burning sensation. Well, how are you here? Rim will just stare at him for a moment. He'll put his hand to, to his chest where he feels the burning. So you are him. He's going to look towards the walls. Yes, it's a work in progress. How are you here? Uh, how far away is he? Ten feet or so. I'm just going to look back and be like, it doesn't matter how, it only matters that I am. And he's going to reach down to his hip and feel for his pick. It's right there. He's going to draw it and, and pulling my shield around. I have a sense that you feel we have some unfinished business, old man. With you and your kind, my business is never finished. All right. He draws the rapier, points off behind you, about 30 paces that way. And he looks at the the people around him, kind of points around him with the rapier. None of you are to interfere. Me and this man have business. I've killed him once. I'll kill him again. Go ahead and roll for initiative. Ram, what'd you get for initiative? Twelve. As Rem and this man make their way towards the center of this courtyard, the people working around him, most of them actually continue on with their work. You see a handful that had been helping direct kind of form up to create a sort of a ring. They don't have weapons drawn. They don't look like they're planning to interfere. They look more like they're planning to keep you guys contained within a, let's say, 60-foot diameter circle. All right, then, old man. Come at me. Is he... You got you got first initiative. <laughs> yeah. well, I didn't know if he was, like, letting it. So... Nice. Rim's going to hunker down behind his shield, and using his bonus action, he's going to cast Shield of Faith. How far away is he? We'll say that you guys essentially... That, that 60 foot circle, you guys went in about 20 feet from each edge, which will put you at about 20 feet away from each other. So Rim will approach within five feet, and he'll take, I believe I get two attacks now. And as you approach, you see him flick his rapier into a readied stance, crouches down a bit, and in a flash, a dagger appears in his other hand. And so I will attack with my war pick. <laughs> One. With your first swing, he just kind of backsteps, letting it swing in front of him. Take my second attack. 22. 22 will hit. For nine damage. Piercing. Is uh, Rem's uh, war pick magical? No. So he had backstepped Rem's first attack, 
and he was stepping back into a ready position to strike. Unexpecting as Rem makes like the backhand swing, bringing the pick back up and gouges him across the chest. And he he looks down, puts a finger into the blood where the tip of that war pick grazed him. Well, I see you do mean business. And he strikes out at you with the rapier. Uh, so that's a 24 to hit. It hits. For 13 points of piercing damage, plus 6 points of poison damage, and make a constitution saving throw. 14. Rem becomes poisoned um, until you take a long rest. So he had returned himself to a readied position and strikes straight forward with his rapier, twisting his wrist at the last second to get around Rem's shield and stabs him in the side. Does a 17 hit? No. He draws it back out. You see a smirk across his face as he lunges in for a second strike with the rapier. But knowing his tricks, Rem gets his shield in the way to block it. All right, so... Are you going into your next turn? Yeah. Okay. Back over to Ariel's battle. (laughs) With the distance to Ariel closed off, uh, Grimfang pulls back with the spear and thrusts it into your midsection. He must have cottoned the spear on the ground on his first thrust rips it back out of the ground and readjusts his grip on it. Uh, does 15 hit? Meets it. Here is about to go unconscious. Um, so that's going to be 8 points of piercing damage mm-hmm. and 2 points of necrotic damage. So it's 1 point? 1 point with your resistance. Mm-hmm. Is it her turn? No. It is Kosain's turn next. Alright. Is the warg in between? The warg is all the way on the backside now. So it's Kosain, Grimfang, Ariel. And then the warg. Okay, so Kosain's going to turn around because she was facing the warg. And uh, she can feel that Ariel is like about to die. <laughs> so she's going to turn around and swing her longsword at Grimfang. 17 to hit. 17 will hit. Oof. Eight again, and then 12, so 20. Uh, 20 points of damage. Yeah, and then a second attack. Describe what happens as Kosain destroys this shadowed figure of Grimfang. Okay, does Kosain's sword, is it like lit at all? It would have a like celestial glow to it. Okay. I believe it's uh, based on the stat block. Any weapon that is wielded by Kosain is magical uh, based on the angelic weapon. Okay, so in my imagination, Grimfang's back is to Kosain. Kosain turns around and raises her sword up and just slashes it through his back and um, it goes piercing and like through his chest and he's like pinned to the ground and the um, celestial light is just coming out of the sword. And as this light grows around Grimfang, 
um, who had already been lit up by your guiding bolt from the last turn too, so that light just continues to intensify. And by the time your vision like recovers from the blinding light, the body is gone. Hussein still has another attack and more than enough movement. All right, she's gonna finish the job <laughs> and go after the warg. She's gonna swing back around to the, where she was. Actually, it would be going around Ariel. The oh, warg is on the other side okay. of Ariel. It's not good. It would be it would be a nine. Okay, so with that that movement in between is a li- little bit thrown off, and the swing goes wide on the shadow warg. It's Ariel's turn. Ariel is she's like barely holding herself up at this point with her staff, and she's going to just tap the staff on the ground and there's going to be a wall of force goes in a circle of um, around her so that way the warg can't do anything nothing can penetrate through it and i can do me to read the description sure tell me what you're casting and read it's it off. wall of force and an invisible wall of force springs into existence at the point you choose within range the wall appears in any orientation you choose as a horizontal or vertical barrier or at any angle. It can be free-floating or resting on a solid surface. You can form it into a a hemispherical dome or a sphere with a radius of up to 10 feet, or you can shape a flat surface, blah, blah, blah. Uh, She's going to be doing the sphere, so she's completely encompassed. In any form, the wall is one-fourth inch thick, it lasts for the duration of 10 minutes, and uh, if the wall cuts through a creature's space when it appears, the creature is pushed to one side of the wall, your choice of which side. Obviously, if that warg is near, it would be pushed out. Uh, nothing can physically pass through the wall. It is immune to all damage and cannot be dispelled by dispel magic. Uh, it can't, a disintegrate spell can destroy the wall instantly. Uh, the wall also extends into the ethereal plane, blocking ethereal travel through the wall. So basically, Ariel's down to two hit points, and she does not even want even a tiny little bite. <laughs> to two hit points in a so dream. So she's like getting super defensive. And you said no creature can pass either direction? Yep. Okay, so Kosain would also be yeah. locked into the wall with you. Yeah. Okay. But the thing is out of the wall. That took five of her charges. Oh, using your staff. Yeah. Okay. She hit the staff to the ground and cast Wall of Force. Is that going to be it for Ariel's turn? Um, That's considered a spell, so she can't cast any other spell, right? Uh, it's going to be an action regardless. Because she has bonus actions, but they're spells, so that's why I don't know how Are that works. Are they trips? No. Okay. But that's considered using a spell, I right? believe so. So no, she can't do anything more. The warg suddenly kind of like shoved back a little bit through the dirt, furiously charges back at the dome that you have just created, this shimmering light field in between you and the warg, and is chomping at it, striking out with both of its claws and cannot get through. But essentially the whole time that you are trapping yourself in this dome, this shadow ward is going to be striking at it from the outside. On all of its turns. Tempest. Yep. 
you find yourself in a panic suddenly as your lungs are filled with salt water. Well, shit. Am I fully submerged? Yes. Can I tell which way is up? You can. You can see clearly. You can also breathe normally. Well, I wasn't expecting that. So, I know which way is up, and I can breathe normally. Mm Mm-hmm. The couple seconds, or even just a half a second of panic fades away. In my bearings. Take a look around. All right, go ahead and roll perception. 24. With a 24, you see a shape moving through the water, coming towards you. The shape is rather confusing to you. Uh, normally, when you, you see something in water, like it's, it's a dark spot, especially with how clearly you can see. You would expect to be seeing an outline of some sort of creature, but instead you are getting a vague sense of a humanoid shape. It's almost like you would expect to see if, say, a human that was invisible were standing in a fountain. Okay. Um, I I don't think I would do anything. Just, if they're coming towards me, I guess just float on guard? Uh, on guard, are you drawing weapons? No, no, okay. just, just a little more at at attention. After a few moments, the shape in front of you, it it appears to be like a human, but made out of water. Greetings. What the hell are you? I am Alvarin. I am a member of the Elemental Guard of the Sea of Mists. What are you doing here? I honestly couldn't tell you. And uh, the creature settles down in front of you. And you see the shape where its head would be. Tilt to the side. Who are you? My name is Tempest. I I guess I'm an adventurer now. But I don't know what I'm doing here. Tempest. Does the name Reyna mean anything to you? That was my birth name. How do you know that? Tempest, I believe I'm your father. But, no, my my mother always told me that my father was a pirate. Indeed I was. And then one day, I went over. And I don't remember the course of events that led to me being here. But I woke up. And I was the man that you see before you. So you just disappeared one day and turned into water? That is a a way to put things. It would appear that my side of the family has some deep-rooted connections with the plane of water. I see through yourself that you are displaying some of my lineage. 
So this is your fault. About as much fault as it is that I am what I am in front of you. Is it a problem? I mean, it was a little hard to fit in once things started changing. It's hard for many people to fit in. Just ask a tiefling. Oh, I know one of them. (laughs) She's crazy. (laughs) But in a good way. And hard to fit in. I mean, she's pretty good at making friends. A little forceful. But she's the only one I've ever met, so I guess. Uncommon, you might say. Different. Hard to fit in. I seem to surround myself with people like that, so it doesn't feel as uncommon. (laughs) The other girl in our party has glowy eyes. Interesting. Well, Reyna, it still doesn't explain what you're doing in the Sea of Mists. Sorry, please don't detonate me. I go by Tempest now. A lot's changed since you disappeared. My apologies. Even through my change, I have kept the name that I was given at birth. Weird. Alvarin still feels like it fits me. Why did you never come back? He gestures to him. (laughs) Unfortunately, it appears that it is hard for my kind to return to land. Why did you never send word? Mother assumed you dead. In many senses, as far as the world on land is concerned, I am dead. I'm here. But I'm not the man that I was. I understand that this is a lot to take in, and I probably shouldn't have given away my position in things. I see that that was a bit of a mistake now. However, it was important. You aren't supposed to be. Tell me about it. I was essentially sent as a scout when it was noticed that a creature was within the Sea of Mists that didn't belong here. Where is here, anyway? The Sea of Mists is pretty big. Somewhere about 30 or so miles off of the eastern coast of Saval. Um, I believe we are somewhere in between the cities of Port Norsal and Tumeria. That's definitely not where I fell asleep. You just woke up here. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm confused too. Problematic. What do you know of the Misty Sea? Not a whole lot. I was on a boat for a few years, but it's more Mm. fish tales. Father-like daughter. I was hoping to find you. Maybe connect with you somehow. But I wasn't a pirate. Did you find a pirate ship? I wasn't a pirate. That might explain why you weren't able to connect with I don't think I would have been able to connect with you anyway. You're made out of freaking water. (laughs) Fair point. Though if you had at least associated yourself with pirates, you may have been able to learn a little bit more about me and what became of my fate. At the very least, you would know that I'm dead. Well, as far as anyone on the ship was concerned. I already thought you were dead. And they would have been able to confirm it until you suddenly woke up in the misty sea and I was standing in front of you and I had to explain to you that I'm not in fact actually dead. I'm just different. There's no need to yell. I feel he turns around, backed up against a wall, 
in the middle of the fucking ocean. Again, you aren't supposed to be here. By all rights to the elemental guard of the misty sea, I should kill you. But you're my daughter, and I can't do that. I appreciate that, I think. There's a reason that ships known to venture into the misty sea do not return. And there's a reason that those that do are often seen as crazy. Do you know the stories about anyone that has returned from the misty sea? Well, sure, everyone knows the stories. What do they see out here? No one can give a straight answer, but there's horrors unknown to man. Large winged beasts that fly through the skies? Yes. Larger than the largest ships. There is an agreement that goes back essentially to the beginning of our recorded history that the elemental guard, those of us that are water elementals and the air elementals, created the Misty Sea as a place to hide the things that the world cannot know. Like what? Like large winged beasts larger than a ship that has ever been built. And yet you are here and you do not know how. Nope. And at this point, I... I'm a little concerned with how I'm going to get back. Because that's a long swim and a really long walk. How is it that you can be in the water? I don't really know. Just one day after all of this stuff started happening, I felt like going for a swim and uh, wanted to see how long I could hold my breath. Found out it wasn't super long. And when I started choking, I didn't actually start choking. Thought I was dying, and then everything just kind of was okay. Sounds quite familiar. But I didn't turn into water. Evidently. A different part of you awoken that chose not to kill you and turn you into a water elemental. Perhaps it's because I'm still here. There's not room in our lineage for another yet. So you think I'm going to turn into water when you die? Because I don't want to turn into water. I don't know. That if it'll, looks unpleasant. I don't know if it'll be when I die or if it'll be when you die after I have died. If you're killed by water. Noted. That seemed to have been uh, an important part of the uh, change. Drowning. Sounds like you went through something similar. So you said you woke up here. Yeah. Last thing I remember was waking Nina up to go on her portion of the watch and, and I had just finished mine and I was just in my bedroll. Perhaps it's time for you to wake up, Tempest. What? Ram, what was your next action? So he's going to remain where he is. He'll place his hand against his chest again and he's going to expend... Uh, 10 points to cure the poison and heal himself 5. It's his action. He's going to use his bonus action to look at the man and facing him. He's going to say, 
You and your kind are a scourge on this land. And if it takes every breath I have, I'm going to wipe the slate clean. And he's casting his vow of enmity. And is that the end of Rem's turn? Other than movement, that's everything he did. Being able to do things like that, this might almost be a fair fight. You call me a scourge. I've seen what your kind does to the villages around here. I've seen them come in and take what they want, what they feel is their right, all because of the little badges that they wear on their uniforms. And he's going to move himself into a stance to strike out at you with his rapier again. Does a 19 hit? No. Okay, so he is gotten himself back down into a readied pose and thrusts out with his dagger. Rem moves his shield up in front again, being the defensive trained fighter that he is. So a uh, 18 is also not going to hit. Nope. And so another clang rings out through the, uh, the courtyard of this fort. Ha! You are a challenge. A worthy opponent. Let me know when you'd like to end things. Having blocked the attacks this time, not as tricky as last time, Rim will step forward and strike out with his uh, war pick again. That's a natural 20. Oh, that hits. Um, criticals here are double damage, double dice. Double the dice. So roll all your damage dice twice. And then he's going to expend a spell slot of first level to divine smite as well which adds another 2d8 radiant damage to the target. It's 3d8 on a normal strike, so I'm 68. Because part of it's divine, do you want that separate? Nope. Okay, so that's altogether 28 damage. And as your pick connects, just a... <coughs> well then. And then he'll pull back and strike for his second attack. <laughs> An 18? An 18 will hit, just barely, but it hits. And he'll expend another spell slot to do another uh, divine strike. 12 damage. This ends when you die. And he was knocked back, catching himself, like shuffling to get his feet under him. As he stands back up in front of you, he wipes blood off the corner of his mouth with the back of his hand. Oh, well then. I haven't been hit like that in quite some time. If we must continue, though... And he's going to move back into a lunge with his rapier. And that's going to be a big fat miss with a 12. 12 again. Still hiding behind the shield. <laughs> now we move back over to Ariel. On your first turn inside the bubble, what do Ariel and Kosain do? Kosain uh, is going to heal Ariel. 2d8 plus 2. It's healed for 7 points. <laughs> there is Kosain's turn. And on Ariel's turn. Uh, Ariel is going to turn on her mage armor. And Ariel is going to ask Kosain, do you think Grimfing is coming back? I think that for the time right now, we have taken care of that problem. I don't know how he came back this time, so I cannot guarantee that he won't return in the future. Okay. Well, I guess we just need to gather our strength and take down this warg. It looks like it's almost dead. 
That it we does. can do it, right? I believe so. Did I touch the spear? I was trying to be so careful. I don't know if um, whether or not you touched it would have made any difference for what we're dealing with right now. Okay. It's not a thing that we know about. Perhaps merely the how close you've stayed with it is what is causing this. Perhaps this is a one-time thing built into the magic of the spear to torment you. I do not know. But I'm here for you and I'm here to protect you. Okay, let's uh, heal up and do this. So the warg spends its next turn striking at your dome on Kosain's next turn. Kosain's gonna heal me again. <laughs> she can do it three times, it looks like. Ooh, that's 12. So then on your next turn? On my turn, Ariel will cast a shield of faith. And is that the end of Ariel's next turn? Yep. And continuing the onslaught, the warg is thrashing about on this dome. Kanina, mm. where were you taking watch? I imagine I was taking watch probably on the wagon or the uh, cart. You jolt awake, sitting in the front seat of the cart. Based on looking out at the sky, it seems like you may have been asleep for ten minutes or so. You don't remember dozing off, but you're in the second watch that you decided to take. Kanina's kind of like looking around and seeing that she's back where she remembered being. She will think to herself like if this was if that was all a dream, that whole meeting, that was something she just thought up, but I know it, it kind of seemed very uh very real. Seemed like more than she could just dream up by herself. <laughs> she's going to continue with her watch. Does she see anything new in the area? No. Um it, are you going to spend pretty much the next watch? Just sitting up on the cart, continuing your your watch as normal. She will, but she'll probably move to more more of like a standing type position, somewhere where she can't really get comfortable and fall asleep. <laughs> she doesn't want to doze off again. The most that that you see change uh, about the area around you is as you near the end of your watch, and probably what triggers you to begin uh, waking up Rem is that the sky is starting to move from that deep, dark, almost black blue to starting to lighten up where it's still a very dark blue, but you can see the shade lightening ever so slowly. Having nothing else happen other than her strange dream vision, (laughs) she'll uh, go ahead and wake Rem up for his shift. Just kind of gently grab his shoulder and shake him awake. Be like, Rem, it's time for your shift. Rem, it's your turn. So Rem will uh, attack again. That's a natural 20. And this time, he's going to expend a second level spell slot to do 3d8. So it's going to be 8d8 this time? 35 points of damage. Jeez! Rem, you put everything you have into this next blow, and the pick breaks right through this man's guard as he put his his rapier and dagger up to try and block you. You crush right through it as the tip of your pickaxe sinks into his heart. He's going to do it again. The man is dead on the ground, though. But he doesn't care. He's making sure. Rem drives the tip of his war pick into this man's heart, 
driving him into the ground, rips it out and just shoves the spike back into like the other side of his chest to make sure that this man is dead. And as you are looking down at him, watching the light fade from his eyes, you notice that he is familiar more than in the sense of being the man who killed you. It's almost like looking into a mirror into the past for Rem. And you hear Kanina's voice. Rem, wake up. It's time for your shift. He's just staring at the man on the ground. Rem? Man, you're sleeping real deep. Full body shake. <laughs> Using her strength to kind of... So with the shake, he'll, he'll wake up. His eyes will snap open and he's got almost a feral look on his face. And he's going to stare straight back at you and he'll reach up and grab your tunic and he'll ball his fist as if he was about to attack and he'll stop himself. And he'll look around like, you know, he doesn't know where he is for a second and he'll let go of the tunic. Sorry. Oh, uh... Bad dreams. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> Sorry to put you on edge there. And he'll stand up and he's going to be rubbing his chest. <clears throat> Old wound bugging you again? Something like that. And in the back of Rem's mind... He just hears, good, so you can do it. He'll move closer to the fire pit, stoke it a little bit, start his watch. Are you going to be okay for your watch? Yeah, I'll be fine. Thank you. You little, you look a little shaken up there. Uh, old bad memories. I'll be okay. Mm. Well, feel free to wake me up if you need anything. I'll cook breakfast. All right, sounds delicious. You know where to find the spice pouch. Has Rem ever offered to cook for the party before? No. Kinin is a bit off-put, but she'll go to sleep. She has her own dreams to uh, think about. <laughs> All right, Ariel. Mm-hmm. It is Kosain's turn once more. Kosain's gonna hold her action until after Ariel drops the wall. It takes an action to drop a concentration, right? No, you just, just do it. Okay, so Ariel's going to drop the wall. Which will trigger Kosain's action. Is going to swing her longsword at the shadow ward. 15. 15 will hit. Oh, cool. Three slashing damage and then eight radiant damage. I mean, the, the shadow work had one hit point left, so the oh. bubble comes down and Kosein like super buffed right now. <laughs> just immediately like twists around Ariel, bringing her longsword up right through the shadow work's neck. Like in an instant before the shadow work even realizes that this bubble is gone. At least here, I can protect you. That's good to know. I know you can protect me there too. Rem, you said you'd like to do something before everyone wakes up. Yeah, so basically, after he's gone to the fire and waited a couple of minutes for Nina to bed down, he's going to uh, cast his divine sense to see if there's anything in the area. How big, and what is it sensing? 60 feet. It can sense good, evil. It'll know if the location we're in is hollowed. It can detect any celestial fiend undead. Um, I believe you detect a celestial and a fiend. <laughs> well, knowing them. In the cart, uh, I think they're all good aligned. Nothing is out of the ordinary for Rem. 
that's mostly what he was checking for. See if there's any. I think you've done this before. Yeah, I've so caught both of them before and been like, okay. There is nothing that Rem is unfamiliar with. Would the spear be extra glowy because it's like evil? Yeah, I suppose it would, but it's also entirely possible that Rem has. I mean, Rem already knows. Yeah, he's he was looking for something that was new. That's the thing. I, I don't know because it hasn't been explicitly said. I don't know that Rem hasn't done this in the time that you've gotten the spear. But you know that that thing is exudes an evil aura. And then basically, once it gets light and it's almost close to end of watch, he'll actually start cooking up some breakfast for everybody. And the rest of the party wakes up to the smell of whatever Rem is cooking, taken out of... Given how things went, you guys would have restocked when you were in uh, in the village of Starin just a bit ago. We like an English breakfast. So Rem has some fresher ingredients to work with. Sausage, beans, black coffee. You guys wake up to the, the smell of a nice breakfast. Unusual for when Rem is taking last watch. And as each person wakes and comes out, he'll actually present them with a plate. Someone woke up on the right side of the bed today. I wouldn't say that. Oh, you don't like coffee? No, I do. I don't understand you. When Ariel wakes and goes and gets the breakfast presented, she's going to smile softly at Rem. You know, she's kind of a little bit traumatized, but at the same time, <laughs> she's happy and she's going to be, uh, I learned about the staff you gave me. Mm. You're right. It is a lot more powerful. Take good care of it. I will. It will help a lot. He's going to hand some coffee. He's going to hand her orange juice. <laughs> Ariel doesn't get to have coffee? <laughs> Something tells me she wouldn't like it. <laughs> I imagine Kanina would probably wake up a little later than normal, just which is a little unusual for her, but she did take a double shift, and she also had a lot in her mind, so... She'll probably sleep a little bit longer than normal, so she'll be the last one to join the uh, gathering of breakfast. But she might actually forgo exercise for once this morning, get that extra little bit of sleep in. And Rim will, will actually make one extra plate, and he'll just leave it out where if Darrow Dim wants it, he could come get it. Thank you for breakfast, Ram. <laughs> yeah. It was nice of uh, Darrow Dim to help keep watch last night. I definitely felt a lot safer with his presence. I saw him a couple times wandering by. Rem will just have a haunted look for a second. Yeah, safer. Did, did you see anything odd on your shift? Oh, it was quiet. Hmm. You see, you're still shooken up about your awakening? You shook me real hard. She has this doubtful look on her face, just like, mm-hmm, yes. At this point, unless anyone has anything that they would like to wrap up before you guys get to Port Norsal, I think we'll go ahead and end the episode evening on the 4th of Mananon as you guys are approaching the gates to the city. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Adventures in Aurelia. You can help the show out a ton if you tell others about it by sharing episodes on social media. You can support the show by donating to us monthly on Patreon at patreon.com slash adventures in Aurelia. Your support helps us buy new equipment to improve the show, as well as commission art to help others visualize our world. Lastly, we'd like to thank the artists who allow us to use their music in our show. Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, 
Tabletop Audio, Windswept, Sirenscape, Alexander Nakarada from Serpent Sound Studios, Adrian Von Ziegler, Scott Buckley, Michael Gelfi, and Alec Wiesner. You can find links to all of these wonderful artists at adventuresinarelia.com slash music. <laughs>